Mac and B-Loka Bentley. Nigga know the business is B-Slime G5, nigga. Blah. Okay, this is the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. That was your host, Burnman. And, <laughs> and this is your other host, B-Magic. And I got my brother, Noise, with me. Yeah, we got a, a soundboard for today. <laughs> the season finale. We couldn't have a special guest, so we're going to have many special guests on this episode. <laughs> we already got Birdman. Who else we got on the show? Respect on my name. Yo, okay. you better put some motherfucking respect on Birdman's name before you address it. <laughs> but yo, we made it. To the finale, man. Season one's in the books. Yo, this is something we just tried to do, and we're already at the finale of season one. How does it feel to get to this point? Yo, it, it's crazy, man. Like, we've, we've kind of had this idea in the back of our head for a while, but it was just one of those things because we had so many other things we were working on at the same time. It was kind of like, yeah, it's in the back of our head. You know, we'll get to it when we get to it. And then, yeah, it was, it was never in the forefront. Like, yeah, let's become podcasters and let's do yeah. that. It was just another thing that we're like, yo... This would be dope to do. It's something that we feel is necessary. Like these stories need to be shared. And it, this thing is forever evolving. And it's already kind of blown my expectations. I don't know about you, but I never expected it to be this good. Yeah, it's been it, the, the process itself has just been really fun. Like I don't attach any expectation to this. Yeah. It's just the act of itself of coming here to Combo Studios, sitting down with a guest and just really going in depth with what their story is and the cool thing about it is that like everyone that we've had on has been a friend yeah and i feel like we've learned so much more about that person and that's that's the beautiful thing about it it's like we're sharing their stories and their come up but we're also learning more about people that we care about yeah even like like how much do we really know about our favorite artists even right now through podcasting and interviews we're starting to learn a lot more right but these are people that inspire a lot of people and they have a lot of fans. And, and to be able to have the type of talks that we've had with them and go deep dives into their stories, their inspirations, their everything, it's, it's really eye-opening, not, not only for people like us who have seen their rise, but, mm. o- but it also must be to the fans that are listening to the certain people that they, that they inspire to be like. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, kind of at the heart of what we were trying to do. Um, a, a lot of feedback that we got back from people that we've had on the show is that like there's a certain like not to boost ourselves but like there's a certain like quality of timelessness to it in the sense that you can listen to the story at any point and nothing will be dated it's not like yo check out my album coming out next week like there's none of that attached to it where we want to just focus on the people the stories and their crafts and their journeys yeah. rather than any specific one project along the way yeah we never wanted this to be a promo run for anybody exactly yeah. right like this is this is mainly to learn about people learn their vulnerabilities learn what it takes to be good at what you do and to not not only to creatives but to anybody young old whatever you can take away from these episodes that's all we want from it like this is very organic we have been enjoying these conversations uh just as much as listening to it so we hope that you really enjoyed this first season it's been so much fun for us to sit down with a lot of people this is the season finale and we kind of want to dive into certain topics that we've covered and also things that we enjoyed along the way this has been nine episodes of interviewing people and each other's and it, it has been a such a fun experience so far yeah so with this episode we want to kind of put a bookend on everything that we've talked about over the course of the season so there's certain themes certain stories that have kind of resonated or echoed between different episodes 
And I think with this, with this episode, with this finale, we just kind of want to talk about our own experiences with some of those themes that have popped up. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, being that this is an Immigrant Hustle podcast, the first thing we ask everybody is like, where's your family from? How did you guys get here? What was that story for you guys? And with that, you know, we, talk, we heard a lot about, you know, deportations, border stories, all that kind of stuff. But that stuff still goes on now, too. We still deal with that on a day-to-day. We're always in the line where, yeah, you got to do a little bit of extra to <laughs> take off your motherfucking shoes, this, that. It's, it, you know what it is, though? We do it with a fucking smile on our faces because it's yeah it does bother us but it's like it's it's become so normal which is kind yeah. of wrong no that's, like that, oh, that's the scary thing about it like i had a situation earlier this year i was in chicago so i'm flying back home from chicago to toronto yeah and in my in my mind i'm like okay i'm i know i'm gonna get messed with i know these security people are gonna do something or say something that's gonna just mess me up right yeah but I went through the entire process and nothing happened. Yeah. And then so afterwards, I was still kind of shaken up about it because you prepare yourself for something, right? Yeah, yeah. So in a sense, like, you, you know, your mind becomes attuned to expect something, to expect the worst. Yeah. And that's a hard way to, to always have that mentality, you know, to walk it's, into it's any weird. situation. It, like, yo, you, I don't know. It's that thing. Like, you, they make you feel criminal to some extent. Right? Yeah. When like you're you not even fucking doing anything wrong. Like, I'm going, I'm going to visit my family for Christmas. Like, yeah. you know, it's fucked. Literally, the last, the, the last two times I've been to the States during this Trump era yeah. has just been fucking ridiculous. Like, the last time I made it into America. Yeah. And we'll get into me not making it into America, <laughs> but... The last time I went with my uh, with my wife to visit her family in um, in Maryland, and literally we were traveling during Christmas time. I think we left like a day before Christmas. Yeah, and we were, we were like, okay, let's get ahead of the traffic like this. We went through the one of the new uh, one of the one of the borders that takes you across into New York State, and they were literally like. They were giving me a hard time, right? But they're like over like one of the stamps that had been, and then there's not nothing of me leaving America. But I'm like, yo, I left on time, and just because you don't have a record of it, that's not like whatever. But yeah. I still, I don't ever say anything bad to them. Yeah. Like even when I know shit is fucked up, yeah. I'm just like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Like you can't win with them, so you have to be almost like you have to put on this facade as an extra nice person, right? Yeah, because they the the those interactions kind of strip you of your power. It does. And so you're kind of forced to, to toe the line, even though you know it's wrong. Yeah. But that's kind of, as the, the powerless person in the dynamic, you have to do that. Otherwise, you don't know what worse could happen to you. Yeah. And, like, even, like, at the end of it, like, I was like, yeah, like, what, why are you traveling? And we're, like, we're going for, like, Christmas holidays to spend Christmas with our family. And then this guy's like, oh, I didn't even know that you celebrate Christmas. Yeah. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, you motherfucker. (laughs) And I'm just like, no, yeah, we do. And that was it. Because I'm like, I could have gone. I could have taken it the wrong way. If I say fucking single wrong word to that guy, it's just worse for me. So I've always just learned not to fucking, you know, just be yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That's it. And whatever. But I got in. And this last time was fucking bullshit. It was like the biggest nightmare of my life traveling to America. Was this to Detroit? Yeah. So I was traveling through Detroit. I haven't traveled that border probably since like age 12. 
but yeah. like I've had good experiences like yeah. this, that. Just I have a lot of family in Windsor. So the night before, like, okay, just to put a little bit of context, my wife had bought me tickets to the Manchester United game in Detroit, okay. which was being played against Liverpool in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And for those that don't know, Magic's got Man U tattoos all over yeah, his leg. Like, like, uh, this ain't a joke thing. This, is my, this is my religion. Like, I'm a, I'm a hardcore United fan. I grew up in a family where my eldest brother is a Liverpool fan. My middle brother is an Aston Villa fan. Don't ask me how. But, <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. And we, we, we bleed this shit. This is our everything. But fuck all that noise, right? So my wife, nice enough for our, for, for our anniversary, grabbed me this nice present, surprised me. So I'm like, cool. One thing I was not happy for was going across that border through car because yeah. I know through plane it's a lot better. Yeah, you get a little bit of a check, but whatever. It's usually better than me traveling in a car. In the episode where we, we talked to Humble, you, you kind of get a little grip. You, look, you get a little grasp of how it is like traveling with a guy with a Norwegian passport, yeah. Punjabi name, living in Canada. Yeah, makes no sense. Makes no sense. <laughs> so just like every other time, clammy hands, nervous as fuck, waiting in the lineup to get across. I went extra early because I knew I was going to have to deal with this. Whatever, we sit in our car for the first half an hour, 45 minutes, all right? The lady's like, oh, you got to go inside. You got to get your stamp, your typical shit that you get with my, uh, like, uh, I have, like, an online visa that I fill out for, like, Norwegians, right? So I did all of that. Everything, like, mine lasts for two years. I had it from the last time I went. I have to go inside, get my stamps, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. 45 minutes of waiting outside. Now we sit inside. Hour wait there. Hour 45 have, has gone by, right? Now, when I finally get to talk to a lady, I give her my passport, I give her my permanent residency card, and her first thing's like, why are you giving me your permanent residency card? I don't need that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, ma'am. Yeah. Grab the back. You know, right off the bat, I'm like, this is not going to be good. Yeah. Because they let you get the, you find out right away what kind of person yeah. you're dealing with. And this lady was a cunt. She was a fucking cunt. And I apologize to any women listening, but she was. If she acted like it, she was. But it was fucking terrible, man. Like, she just started with an angry attitude right off the, ba uh, off the bat, started questioning this, that. I've had, I've had a charge or two when I was younger at the age of 19, but I've been traveling to this country ever since. Yeah. Right? These are small-time charges that I don't really want to get into, but it's, it's nothing really hardcore right i've been traveling to america since then every year pretty much or every other year for soccer for family trips for vacation whatever it may be i've never ever had a problem yeah they've asked me about anything and all my charges and i've always answered it correctly and this that for some reason this time this lady was just like oh like, I'm going to need you to sit down. She starts, like, filling out all this paperwork, makes me refill out my paperwork. Yeah. And I literally sat there for another hour. And now I'm like, this has never happened to me. Yeah. Like, this has never happened. And I'm like, <laughs> now I'm, like, shook. My wife shook. She's already scared traveling with me because of the regular behavior I get. And I'm just always just like, don't worry. Like, they're going to hassle me, and eventually we get through. Like, I'm not no fucking criminal. I did some shit when I was 19. Yeah, yeah they have to do their background checks. Once they realize, yo, this guy's been in and out of our country for years, we'll be good, and we'll be going. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, two guys who are not dressed like the rest of them but still have, like, their little fucking cop badges on their fucking hip yeah. come out. And they're like, they asked for my license. Now I give them my license. Never been asked to do that. 
Then they bring me inside to this room where they're like, yo, there's a fucking desk to the left of me where one's sitting on a computer and there's a desk in front of me where another man's sitting on a computer. Yeah. They have finger scanners everywhere, like this, that, right? I'm like, what the fuck is about to go down? Now I'm actually worried, am I going to get detained? And I have zero reason to be detained. Yeah. But this, these are the thoughts that are coming into my fucking head. Like, what the hell is going on now? And that's when they start questioning me about every time I've been arrested, this, that, like going into in-depths of all this stuff. And this is yeah. stuff that I thought that they should already have. Right, right. Right, if, like, if they're going into such like details about stuff, and I'm like, they already knew about what I'd been arrested for and this, that. And I was just like, okay, this is nothing new. So why are they going in, into in-depth about this now? But I was just like, as long as I'm truthful and I show them that I'm a good human being, I will get through and it will ease their fears. So I didn't yeah. even think about if I do too much talking, they're going to use this against me. Yeah. My whole thing is just let me just prove to them this is something done as a young, dumb child. And I've, I've shown in not only in my life, but in through traveling to the U.S. that I'm a law-abiding citizen. Right, right. Right? All of this didn't matter. I, eventually, like, I kept talking. Then it gets to a point where I'm like, like, sir, am I going to be able to come in? Like, I just want to know that. Because I'm like, yo, now, do I want to keep talking if I know I'm not get, getting in? Like, this is shit right. is going to be used against me. Like, the yeah. more shit you give them, the more they have to use against you. That's stuff that I've dealt with dealing with police, like, yeah. and everything, Right? Like, you're better off just being quiet and letting a lawyer deal with it. But I'm not there with a lawyer present. I'm not there. I'm just thinking, yo, the more I say, the more they're going to realize I'm a good human being and I'm getting through. That's it. Right. Eventually, when I question them, they're like, the way we're looking at it, they're like, they're like, okay, just to let it be known. I was caught with a little bit of weed when I was, when I was a kid. To those people that know I had 0.3 of marijuana on me, which is like the tiniest amount. You can probably can't even roll a, a, a fucking joint with that. Yeah. Right. I was caught with that at 19 in Canada. Some, certain shit like that. I've like I've been caught by police before, and they've literally told me to to throw it out and stomp on it and go yeah. home. Like, That's the thing. Like it's such a small amount of a drug that will be legal by the time this episode comes out. Exactly. And that, yeah, that's the bullshit thing about it was like with marijuana is like, OK, you're going to make it legal now. But what are you going to do for the people that the have people it on that the have been charged? With it. And I wasn't even charged with that. So yeah. just to make just to fill out the story, I didn't appear to court one day because I was fucking stupid and I was young, like whatever. I lost my date or whatever. And I didn't know if it was this day or the next day. Yeah. So whatever. I went in and I ended up having I ended up having to plead to a failure to appear. So I wasn't even charged with the possession of marijuana. Right. Right? So that was never on my record. Through all this, they were like, so you've been arrested for weed. I'm like, yes, but I was never charged right, right. for that. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I was arrested, but you, I was not held criminally for that. Yeah. So they kept questioning me about it, and they're like, they couldn't understand how I wasn't charged, but I was arrested for yeah. it. Yeah. So, like, at some point, like, these guys are, like, scratching their heads, and they're like, why are we detain? Like, why are we <laughs> questioning this guy on this if he wasn't charged for it, right? Yeah. But I feel like at that point, they'd already ran the paperwork to deny me and shit mm -hmm. like that. So, whatever. Long story short, they figure out I'm not, and I'm like, yo, with all due respect, like, I would just like to finish this up, and I'll gladly go home to Canada. Like, I don't, like, fuck these $200 tickets, yeah. fuck all this trip, fuck seeing my childhood team in America, 
Fuck all that. I don't care. Just I don't want to be here anymore. And I don't want to deal with this fucking like line of questioning, right? Yeah. Like, cool. Let us print out your paperwork so you have all your shit. Like, this whole thing will be detailed in, in like a line for line little transcript, right? I'm like, okay, give me all that shit. Now, when I think the fucking nightmare is over, they're like, we're going to have to take you into a cell and we're going to have to fucking pretty much strip search you. Wow. Right? And I'm for like, what though? I have no fucking clue. Wow. Right? So now they're fucking taking. I've been in this room already with them, not shackled or anything. Yeah. Sitting there, being compliant, everything. Told them everything they needed. Wow. Then when I was done, I was like, yo, with all due respect, I would like to leave if I'm not being held for anything, which I shouldn't be. Yeah. Right? So whatever. They take me to this fucking little cell where there's like chains coming off of the ground like i'm in fucking guantanamo bay so right? they chained you up no they didn't chain me up but this yeah. is already there so wow. imagine what's going through my psyche at this point Jeez, right yeah whatever so they're like put your hands on the wall and spread your like legs right yeah and literally i have to like take off my shoes this that like yo they didn't like fucking like go to the extent of making me fucking like like literally take off my clothes and like cough and bend over and shit like that yeah. but they were literally looking into my underwear line like going around like Jeez. this that grabbing up on everything yeah. and i'm just like what the fuck is going on like i didn't do anything wrong i told you everything i wanted yeah or you wanted like you've given them no reason no to reason do this. to i've been compliant like now you're gonna search me for a weapon what if i had one sitting there the whole fucking time yeah right so whatever they do that maybe it's part of protocol who knows but that's fucked up right yeah they do that. They're still fucking like they're now. They're like joking around with me, like, "Oh my fucking dad had tickets to the game, like this, that." And I'm like, "Fuck you, motherfucker!" Yeah. Like, now you want to be my friend because I'm willingly fucking doing everything you said, like right, this, right. that, like whatever. I'm so like inside. I'm like fucking crying. On the outside, I'm like, whatever. Keep your fucking exterior. Get the fuck out of here and just go. Yeah. Come outside and at this at this point, my we my wife has been sitting there for three hours in total, right? I'd been in there for an hour and a half or whatever, talking and this, that. So, and they hadn't told her anything. Yeah. She's still been sitting in the, in the waiting room. She hasn't been told anything. She's like, yo, that lady that dealt with you, she was like yelling at kids. She was yelling at this, oh, that. Wow. Like yeah. she was just being a terrible person to everybody. Yeah. So she's like, yo, I don't, I don't, now I know why this happened. It was just dealing with that lady and she put it into motion, right? Yeah. That's the thing. Like with that, with that position of power, people want a power trip. It's crazy. Like, they're looking man. for reasons to flex that. It's crazy, man. It's yeah. nuts. But um, anyways, whatever. I get my shit. I get in my car, and they're like, you have to turn back at this. Yeah. At this point, I'm punching my steering wheel. I have tears in my eyes. I'm like, honestly, I felt mentally abused, bro. It was yeah. fucked up. Like, it, it literally wore me down and made me feel, feel way more criminal than I ever did while getting arrested in Canada. Wow. Like, and I did nothing wrong. Like, and I felt more criminal than I did there. Like, I've been in jail cells here where they still treat you with respect and compassion and this, that, knowing that you fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, this, that. But that shit was fucked up. And then, end of the day, we're driving back. I'm still so upset. I haven't even looked at my paperwork, right? Yeah. My wife starts looking through it. And nowhere on there does it say anything about denied because of previous arrests or anything so what did it, it say? said denied because of the wrong visa wow so they fucked me on all so sorts of shit they got all this yeah. information on me and then just put it on my paperwork that i was denied for wrong visa yeah all because of an arrest for 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 that but they never put anything about the arrest so on they my even falsified the report for it 
It's fucking ridiculous, man. Wow. And like, I don't like, I I don't even want to do anything about it. Like, I, like they told me things like, yo, my steps now is either to uh, uh to apply for another visa, like a ten year visa as a Norwegian passport holder. Yeah. Or literally get my Canadian citizenship because they're like literally if I had a Canadian passport that day they're like you're walking through but you had a PR though I did yeah but they said because of my Norwegian passport yeah that little visa that I get is canceled out that's why they wow. refilled it out for me and made me sign it and they're like okay wow that they used all that info without telling me to deny me wow Without letting me know. And then so I didn't know I was being denied for that until the very end when I'm looking at my paperwork driving across that peace bridge back to fucking... Yeah. Or whatever that bridge is called. Back to fucking Windsor. Wow. And I was like, dude, I was... It was fucked, man. It fucked me mentally for like a good old day. I was just like... You know, we were still in Windsor. Like, you know, we went out, but whatever, walked the river. But it was just like, yeah, dude, I can't believe I went through that. Like, yeah. it literally put me in a mindset that I don't ever want to go back to that country. Obviously, mm -hmm. I know I have to. And, and you know, like, it, I don't want to. But it's one of those countries that you have to go to, whether it's weddings, whether it's for, for music, whether it's for whatever it may yeah, be, yeah. right? But, like, it puts such a bad taste in my mouth, man. And yeah. it, it was one of those things. Like, this, one of the main things I remember walking into that building was the biggest Trump fucking picture I've ever seen in the office oh, before. Oh, serious? Yeah. Wow. And it was just like, I looked up at that, and I, like, I already got a bad vibe. And I'm like, this isn't going to go good right away. Yeah. But it is what it is, man. It's, it's fucked up. And, you know, that's the thing. Like, you brought up a, a great point there where you're like, you try, you take extra precautions not to be messed with, yeah. right? I remember one time when we were flying to Texas for, for South by Southwest. It was yeah. you and me. And as part of the festival, like the festival organizers, because they know they're getting a lot of people coming in internationally, right? Yeah. So they're like, make sure you get your visas. Because even though you're technically not, like you are coming for business and there's no money exchange. So there's a certain class of visa you have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not specific, you're not just coming as... A visitor you are going to perform you're going to network so there is that quote-unquote business side of it even though it's not money being exchanged there's no monetary gain from it mm -hmm. so i know i think it was the second time we went to south by southwest you didn't get your visa because you're like yo this is just a headache i don't want to do this right <laughs> so i'm like nah i, I don't want to get messed with right so i'm going to get my visa i'm gonna be safe i'm gonna take extra precaution and sometimes that can come come back to bite you in the ass for no reason. Yeah. So we went through we went through customs. You went first. You passed through, even though you had your Canadian PR, Norwegian passport, Punjabi name. They're still like, yeah, this is good. I want this guy in my country. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. So I'm like, all right, if he goes through, then I'm safe, right? Yeah, I'm money. Uh. <laughs> I'm not gonna have any problems, right? Plus, I got this extra visa too, so I'm chilling, right? Yeah. So I show my visa. Show my passport. I'm like, we're good to go, right? And South by Southwest, they even give you letters that say, yo, so-and-so person is coming to our festival. There's no money exchange, but they are coming for business. Like, there's a full letter. You had, like, every paperwork possible. Every paper. You just said you're going to Texas just to chill. <laughs> just for the chill, right? Chill I'm like, yo, I'm going to this festival. I'm going for such and such days. This is my paperwork signed by the festival organizer. Like, I had everything in order. And they're just like, all right, sir, can you please come to this room over <laughs> here? I'm like, are you serious? How is this a thing, right? And it was like, 
it was like a hidden this is in Toronto airport still. So this is like a hidden room. Like the outside of it just looks like all mirrors. So you don't even see where this room is, right? So I'm like, which room are you telling me to go to? And like this door just slides open. <laughs> I'm like, I I'm like, whoa, okay, my mind's being blown right now. So I go into this room and like I have my wife with me too, and they're like, Yeah, you can either wait out here or you can go in with them. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not gonna let them go inside alone, right? So she comes in with me. We go in there. It's this big room, and we're the only two people in there, right? Figures. Yeah, so we're <laughs> waiting. We're just, we, I think they made us wait for a good half an hour. There's like nothing, there's three, like three agents or three guards or whatever that are at this desk. They're not doing anything, but they're making us wait. And I think, like you mentioned, that's kind of like the, the psychological aspect yeah. to it. It's like, yeah, you know, you're going to get an extra line of questioning, but they're going to do it on their terms. Mm-hmm. Does it matter if you got a flight to catch? Does it matter about any of the other stuff? So they're going to psychologically make you feel like a criminal even though you haven't done anything. Yeah, I remember like we got through and yeah. then we were just waiting for you guys forever. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, they got my boy. <laughs> they got him. So they finally come up to question us. And it was a similar type of thing. Like, thankfully, the guards, like they were, they were pretty chill. Yeah. But like you mentioned, it's like they know it's a tense situation but they're still making jokes about it. Yeah. And it's not even jokes to make you feel at ease. It's more like it, it's their own, they're deriving their own humor from the situation. Oh, yeah. It's at your expense. Exactly. They choose when they want to mess with people and they can attach that label of criminality to you whenever they want. It's fucked up. It's sad. It shouldn't be like that. Yeah. Like my parents, they never dealt with that shit. Like my dad fucking traveled how many countries illegally and he's yeah. like, one time he had to fly out of out of the US to go to India when his when his when my grandfather passed away. They gave him the most fucking trouble ever. Yeah. And this is a man who's traveled illegally all <laughs> over the world. Yeah. It's fucked, bro. The same thing with my dad. Like he's been everywhere. Like all over Europe, parts of Africa, South America, North America. Like he's seen everything. And I guess like through that immigrant like mentality, they figure, okay, our kids are born in the West, they have that passport, they have that privilege, so they shouldn't be messed with to the yeah. same extent that we were. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at Borders, I've probably dealt with more stuff than my dad has been, and he's seen like five, six different continents. It's one of those things. We just got to fucking carry ourselves with class and hope that it works out. Like, yeah. it's fucked up. It's wild, man. I think I think we need something from the soundboard to kind of lighten the mood right now. Yo, man. Well, let's go to our fucking special host of the evening, man. Birdman, <laughs> hey, let's go. One hundred. One hundred. Let's go. Now that we've kind of gone over the whole immigration thing, or not even immigration, just traveling while being brown, um, what are some other topics that we kind of touched on this first season that kind of resonated with you? Um, I think for me, a big theme that came up uh, with a lot of guests, like not even just with Selena and Kevin. But also with um, with Villa, we saw it with Scotty, just the whole importance of family. I think that was like a reoccurring theme in everybody's episode. Yeah. But I feel like with the Selena one, with the Scotty one, with the Villa one, those ones in particular really kind of, you know, it, it really put into my mind that it's like, yo, family is so important. Whether or not it's blood family or other type of family, like yeah. just having somebody that you can call family. Definitely. And having somebody in your corner. Well, we touched on it in uh, the Humble episode, right? The sense of community. Yeah. The sense of belonging, right? Like, yeah. 
like we talked in that episode, it was just like we all wanted this sense of community. A lot of these young brown creatives who came out of the greater Toronto area. And that's the thing. Creatives want to be part of something, right? They want to yeah. be, they want to, they want to put their head down and create, but they also want to be part of the community that they're creating for, right? Right, right. And I feel like we've seen different forms of that through all these episodes. Like everybody yeah. has things that they're searching, things that they're longing for, but there's also personal battles that you go through in the middle of that as well. And it's, yeah. it's, it shapes the people that we interviewed and it's shaped us too. Yeah, there is a hunger to, to create and do things, but there's also a life that's being lived while that's happening, right? Yeah. And um, not a lot of people necessarily like to talk about the things they're going through, especially mm. when you're in the public eye, right? Yeah. Family is one of those things. I never wanted my family to be out there so people could find ways to attack them, right? right because, right. yeah, you can give a comment about me, but if you said anything about my family, I'll fucking hunt you down and kill you, like, 100%, yeah. right? So it's like that vulnerability, people don't necessarily want to talk about it. But I enjoyed even episodes that, like we had with Villa, where mm. this is somebody who was very close to the both of us. Yeah. And we had never had that talk about his father passing away. Yeah. And to be able for him to be strong enough to talk about it, but to not only to talk about it, but be as openly about how he felt yeah. during those years... Like, that shit, like, while we were here that day, like, me and him were drinking, but I was like, honestly, I was fighting back tears during that episode because yeah. it was like, I, luckily, I've never had to deal with a parent passing away through the most important years of my life. Right, right. But it was like, to, to hear it from him, like, I couldn't, I couldn't relate, but I fucking, I felt it. I yeah. felt every part of what he said. Mm. And, and it's really open, it, it's, it's really, it's really important for us to to let creatives open up about those things because these yeah. are things that they may not even be comfortable talking about but like I like we said to them off air this is something that I feel can help a kid that might be going through that yeah right like uh, we're not here to to get views off of his pain we are just here to have him share that story and if there is somebody out there who is dealing with those same emotions at least they will know that they're not alone mhm and and that's something dope that's happened within this podcast is just hearing people's struggles as much as we we are hearing their success because in this Instagram world we live in we tend to just see the good parts and we yeah. don't see tend to see the pain that comes behind that mask at times yeah so that was kind of dope yeah I think just going back to like the Villa episode and the Scotty one um, you know they talked about losing a parent. And that's something that's kind of been on my mind quite a bit in the last year or so. Mm -hmm. um, like last year, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Uh, stage four. So it was, it was pretty severe. And, you know, for months and months, that's, that's the only thought that you have, right? Yeah. It's like, yo, am I going to lose this person? It doesn't go away either. Yeah. So even now, like, you know, she's had her surgery and she's gone through chemo, gone through radiation like every step of the way comes with different challenges and comes with different, I guess, different fears. Um, so even now, like, you know, she's done all that and she is in a state right now where she is starting to recover yeah. physically and get stronger. But we haven't got that diagnosis that, yes, yeah, she is cancer free. Yeah. And 
So that kind of it still lingers in the back of your mind, right? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a thing that's heavy on your shoulders, right? Because yeah. yeah, it's a battle, and you try to stay as positive as possible. And like with my with like my father in law was just recently in hospital, right? And through my wife and through everybody that came to see him and this that, you realize that it affects a lot of people, yeah. right? Obviously, the most so to the person being affected, mm. but to be in in that family and, and this horrible thing that is cancer and stuff like that, I, de- I dealt with it with my brother as well, and it's mm. it literally doesn't, that burden on your shoulder doesn't leave until you know it's out, Yeah. right? And that battle is so different for a lot of people. Yeah. And the one thing I just learned is, yeah, it's it's... You try to be positive, but there has to be reality behind everything, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. why, where those thoughts have to come in place, but it fucks with you. It does, yeah. It like, fucks with you hard, man. Like with my mom, as she was going through her recovery, my expectation was never that, yeah, she's going to be back to the way she was before. Yeah. It's like you understand that quality of life is going to change. It's going to be, it's not going to be to the same extent as far as, physically what she can do um so you you have to you have to adapt to the new reality yeah um and like a lot of the yeah not even adapt to it but also just kind of it's it, it's tough to explain man it's like you're dealing with it as it comes yeah. but you don't have all the answers to really know what this new reality is yeah, because it's still ongoing, right? Yeah. Like, you're still in this battle, and yeah, you have to put on a face for your mom to be there for her, but then also you as a family have to realize, okay, what can we do to make her the most comfortable she can be? Yeah. Right? And it's hard, man. It's yeah. really hard. There's a lot of things you, that you have to change as a family, as individuals, and but it's one of those things It's you got to battle and you got to, you got to show your strength to her. And that's the way she stays strong yeah. and this and that. And I'm one of those guys that like to keep everything positive, but at times you don't like you hear the positivity, but it's going in one ear and out the other Yeah, because you're just so numb to it. You're like certain people say it with just because it's the thing to say and people don't know what to say. Mm. Then there's people that really mean everything that they're saying to you. And all this is being say, said, but you're just so numb to everything that it's just like, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter until this is solved. Yeah. But it's like, you can't do nothing. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you could go fucking go run a mile and that would make, make her better, I'm sure you'd be fucking sprinting out of here. You that's know? that's like, the thing. The hardest part is not knowing what you can do to make the situation better. Yeah, and like, like just recently dealing with doctors and hearing what they have to say, they're just running in and out, and it is what it is. I don't put no none of the blame on doctors. They're doing a really fucking hard job. Yeah, but it's like there's so much, so many unknown things while you're there, and you're still you're trying to figure out what the progress is. And yeah, they try to try to take their time in telling you, but a lot of it, like I didn't understand while they were telling me and stuff yeah. like this, and it's like. Other people are asking you, so where, it's at, where is it at, and this, yeah. that, and it's, it's like a waiting game. And uh, just to kind of touch on that point, too, like with my parents' generation, a lot of the terminology being used in hospitals by doctors, by nurses, it, it kind of goes over their head, oh, right? definitely, definitely. Um, so they're dealing with, obviously, the fear of 
this deadly disease, but then also not really understanding the information they're being told. Yeah. Um, and so for myself and for my sister, like we kind of had to serve as translators and intermediaries mm -hmm. within that situation. So it could, it's tough because like you're, you're learning this information and you know how dire the situation can feel, but because the information is coming from you now, yeah. you have to, you have to put on this brave face for everybody oh, yeah. else. No, that's an, uh, like, even with uh, my wife, like, she was there for this whole time that my father-in-law was in hospital, right? And, yeah. she, like, at times I was just like, yo, like, yeah, we should be there constantly, but, like, also take care of ourselves while we're going, like, make yeah. sure that everybody's okay mentally, emotionally, everything, right? But I realized how much being there for somebody while they're in a hospital means a lot. Not only yeah. to our elders who may not be understanding the, term, uh, the, the terminology that the, these doctors are using while they're talking to them. And I saw that firsthand. Yeah. When they were there without my wife, the information wasn't as clear as if when my yeah. wife was there. Because she would ask the questions, what does this mean, that mean, that mean. And our parents here and our parents' generation, that generation... Yeah, they can pick up on certain things, but they may not mm. understand it fully. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's one of those things, man. Like, because there's, like, hospitals don't have the programs to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Like, we just have to be there, right? That's yeah. the, the, you know, it's one of those things I wish that they did. But to anybody with any type of parent or any type of family member in hospital, one thing I can I can definitely say is... We literally sat with my father-in-law and there was like a, an old white guy beside him and yeah. he would get maybe a guest like every three days wow. and they'd stay for like an hour. Right. And I was yeah. like, I was like, that would fucking kill me. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd be like, just off me now then, you know, and it's like <laughs> our father-in-law, he had somebody there at every hour that they were possible and yeah, somebody same, was coming yeah. through. Right. And that, that does wonders yeah. for somebody who is fighting anything. Yeah. Right. And and that would, to our listeners, if you, I pray that you never have to go through this, but that's a major thing. Be there, show strength, and just lift the burden on the family and the family member that is going through that thing because it it, it is a fucking hard thing to deal with. Yeah. And it it's tough to like you mentioned to to be there for somebody while they're going through the hardest experience of their life, but at mm -hmm. the same time trying to protect yourself. Yeah. Right. That's that's probably been. The hardest thing for me with the whole situation, yeah. um, like the, the the beautiful thing about it was that we had different family members that could kind of step in. Mm -hmm. Like my dad was there, me, my sister, my wife, my mossy, like everybody in the family was participating in some sort of way. Like they all felt a responsibility towards my mom to make her, you know, to make this situation better, however they could. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a definitely a tough balance to try to navigate and say. I'm going to help this person, but I'm also going to take time for myself yeah. because it's easy to just get caught in help mode yeah. and just contribute all your time and energy to that without taking the time to, to mentally and emotionally process what you're actually dealing with. No, for sure, man. And even just to tie it back into like that previous topic of, of community, right? Like yeah. it's, they say it takes a community to like rate or like it takes a village to raise a child, right? Yeah. Just, it should be the same thing in sickness in death and everything mm. in all aspects of life. When family needs something, we should come together as community. Even if your family, your, your friends, your this, that us as a community should always be there in 
in all aspects of life when people need you. And yeah. it's really, really important. And I think that's probably been like, that's one of the things I'm most grateful for coming from an immigrant family an immigrant background is that 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 quality of community was brought over here to Canada as well. Yeah. It wasn't like, okay, we're here in Canada now here. It's everyone fight for themselves. Yeah. Like, they took that village mentality of everybody being there for each other and they brought it here. Yeah. And like you mentioned, when it's a birth, when it's a death, when it's any type of hardship, any type of success, it's a community thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's beautiful the way that families and communities can come together. And, and that's the, like, I hate when people talk down on immigrants, right? Because it's yeah. like, there should be a little bit of both. Yeah, we have to adapt to Western culture in the country we live in. We have to, we have to realize what their morals are and what the way their community reacts but it doesn't mean that we just have to be that and fuck everything else because we live within this border yeah we can come here because a lot of these morals and things are they're they're overlap each other anyways exactly to, to good human beings all these things overlap yeah. right it's not like we have some fucking crazy ideologies that nobody else has <laughs> it's the same shit being said in a different way right yeah. and that's one thing i never liked it's I don't think people come with a bad intention. People mm -hmm. are usually running away from something bad to improve their life or their quality of life for them or their kids even. Yeah. Because the quality of life doesn't come until a generation later sometimes. That's true. Right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's one of those things, but through this podcast, we've gotten to see a lot of good stories that have come through somebody just taking the risk of moving to a different land. Yeah. And that's one of the great things that we've seen in this podcast is the, yeah, our, our parents have kind of that mentality of wanting their kids to go into this line of education so they can have this job that they've been told is, is a good job. Yeah. But the ultimate thing is they brought us here so we can live our dreams. Yeah. Because those dreams were skipped a generation, right? Yeah. And that is the most powerful thing that I've realized through this podcast is that, yo, we have to do this shit. If they mm. don't even see what it could become, at the end of the day, when you have success, they will always be there for you. Yeah. Right? So it's like, they might not un understand now, but it is our duty to fulfill our dreams for the people that put us in this position. With that being said, yo, we, I think we got to bring in Project <laughs> Pad. <laughs> <laughs> what else, man? What else happened this season? Yeah, I think the dope thing with the Sandy Line episode, uh, we just just talking about hip hop fashion. Yeah, man, hip hop's gone through a lot of fucking trends. Yeah, my my favorite era, and I just like recently donated my clothes from that era was just like when everything was baggy. The baggy era was deadly, man. <laughs> I was in like grade seven, grade eight, rocking like triple XL. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, I still have like hoodies and t-shirts that i just gave away where i wear <laughs> or i wear them now and i'm like man i was like 20 pounds skinnier when i bought this thing how did i even rock this that was the funniest thing like i tried re-wearing some things like you know like because i always rocked like my oldest brother older brother stuff yeah but then like i tried wearing it like later on and like it was like way too big and i'm like how the <laughs> fuck did i do this when i was tiny like, yeah that was a good time though like I remember, like, academics, velour sweatsuits, okay. Sean John, Fat Farm, 
fucking vocal. Remember? <laughs> Where's the Nelly soundbite, man? Yo, the the shady velour suits. Shady velour suits are going ham. Man. G unit clothing, man. Like there was a golden era, probably like two thousand one to like two thousand five ish. Yeah. Where like every rapper had a clothing line. That shit was wicked though. Man. <laughs> even fucking shoes, yo. Remember the S dot Carters? Yo, even Funkmaster Flex had a shoe, dude. <laughs> Funk Flex had a shoe? With lugs. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know who rocked it, but I'm focused, man. I just remember reading through like Slam magazine and seeing Funkmaster Flex advertisements. Uh, yeah, two uh, G Gina's sneakers weren't bad, yo. Those yeah. are actually kinda nice. There's been so much weird shit. Even the fight. Remember the remember the the phase where with the band aid on the face. I never did that. I never saw anybody do. It. I just saw like on videos and stuff. I never saw anybody do it in person though. Now, um, who did? Somebody did a reason. Roy Woods tried to bring yeah. it back, but yo, as a Brampton man, Roy Woods, please don't bring that back. <laughs> Come on, we can't have you out there looking crazy. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> yo speaking of uh of chingy man like what how what kind of stuff were you rocking during like the the white tea era yo so that was like the triple x t-shirts with the fucking baggy as fuck yeah. um baggy as fuck like i remember dark denim jeans was like fucking popping back then but they they also had to be like halfway down your ass yeah and then i remember um white nike air forces was yeah. like the fucking shit back all then. white yeah all white nike air forces high tops low tops it didn't matter what the fuck you had that shit had yeah. to be but they had to be crisp though yeah like you know you know you know there used to be a couple of motherfuckers where it looked like a little bit sandy on there like <laughs> the white started turning like cream and shit like yeah yo you guys need to buy like a shitty toothbrush and start cleaning <laughs> that shit what's wrong with you guys tell them bird man you done know. <laughs> I think this one, season two, this yeah. is gonna be constantly used. <laughs> That's our flex bomb. Yeah, like we're gonna be like, welcome to the immigrant hustle podcast. All right, so tell me, tell me where your parents came from, man. Like, what country are you guys? Okay, okay. <laughs> we're gonna get a Birdman sponsorship. <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> As far as changes I want to see for season two, I think, obviously, we've got these luxurious gumballs hanging all around us, right? We might have to start fucking eBaying these off, man. We could get some good guap for these fucking gumballs. Here's the thing, though. Like, every South Asian person probably has 10 of these blankets nah. in their house, and they don't even have the storage space for it. No. Nah. So my my call to action oh, for shit. all the listeners, Are you gonna do it? if you have gumballs that you want to donate to the show, we will feature them on our backdrop. Yeah, yo, we will have whatever old fucking gumballs you no longer want from wherever in the world. So you heard it from the man Noise himself. This is a challenge to all our listeners. You know where to find us. We will send you the P.O. box once we figure out that you're not a weirdo. <laughs> send us an email, immigranthustlepod at gmail.com. Show us a picture, first of all. We don't want no shitty gumbos, yeah, all right? There's, nah. been, there's been a high standard that has been put behind these yeah. undescribable patterns that have been behind us for this whole first season. So if you do feel like you have a, a combo that would, would fit the accessory that is this podcast, then definitely please do send it, and we will 
send you our, our, our P.O. box to get it to us or whatever the hell you need, and you can directly send it to us. Ask your mothers, ask your fathers, your grandmothers, whichever one you're willing to donate to the Immigrant Hustle podcast. Know it will be handled with exquisite care. And yes. we will fucking, we will use our lint roller to keep it fresh week in and week out. That is our first challenge to our fans and know that we're nothing without you. So that that is our first challenge and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Who knows? Nobody could give a fuck about the combos that we put out here. Also, yo, if you got any action figures you want featured on the show, yes. our desk, we've got Stone Cold Steve Austin and Quentin Tarantino with his arms cut off. Um... If you got any other action figures, hit us up, immigranthustlepod at gmail.com. Yo, man, we are a podcast of the people. We want you to be as part of this as you want to be. We want you to comment, like, subscribe, do all that shit. But the main thing is to create a dialogue with our fans. We want to know what you liked. We want to know what you want to see, people you want to hear from. Yeah. We are open to everything. So... You know, like you hear at the end of every podcast, you know how to get in touch with us. So please feel free. We are not no egomaniacs. <laughs> we are really kind people. Yeah. If you have any recommendations for guests you want to see on season two, please hit us up. Send us an email, immigranthustlepod at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions. Yo. Oh, Cameron? Cameron Cameron's yeah. going to be on the show? Yo, season two there might be on here. If you have any recommendations for how we can improve the show as far as audio quality, as far as visual quality, please let us know. We're always looking to get better. And I think with this podcast, like it's an idea we've talked about, but I think now that we've actually done it, it's kind of put into my head like any project you want to do, just do it. Like just start it. You might not have the quality or the, the equipment that you need, but once you actually start it, you start to learn as you go. And I think that's the most important thing. For and I think that's been a common thread with a lot of guests that we've had is like people had a desire to do something and they just put themselves out there to do it. There wasn't, I'm sure there was a lot of second guessing and overthinking, but the best way that I feel we've learned the most through this podcast is by just doing it and getting better with each episode as we go on. You learn different things that you can improve upon and I've tried to imp- like incorporate that in other parts of my life as well. Other creative things that I've always wanted to do, but just kind of put to the back burner for whatever reason. Now I'm yeah. just like, hey, let's do it. That's it, man. The, the greatest thing is to, to know and understand from this podcast is that you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, you might be shit at it, but if you want to do something to feel that fulfillment, just do it. And if you care about it enough, you're going to want to be good at it, right? So then all that, all, that, all that takes is just working hard at it. And that's it. Literally have an idea, implement it, do it, and see what the fuck happens. Yeah. And that's it. Yo, nobody had views at the beginning of anything. Nobody had any of that satisfaction of people telling you you're good at the starting. Mm-hmm. There's shit that comes along with it, but it will sculpt the fucking person you become in all aspects of life yeah and the main thing is the power in is in just doing there's a lot of people that talk about it but the great ones are the ones who just shut up and do it yeah definitely it's murder. Oh, oh yo that was speaking of just like favorite moments of the season <laughs> that was like the most that was the it's biggest murder. discovery 
of the season. Villa, the biggest Ja Rule fan. <laughs> Villa ever. became a rapper because of Ja Rule. <laughs> shout out to Ja, man. Yo, shout out to Ja. Where in the world is Ja right now, man? Is that a rap? I think that's a rap, man. Season one. We're not going to take too long of a break. Uh, we definitely have guests lined up that we have in mind for season two. But like we said, if you have any suggestions for people you want to f- have on the show, please do reach out to us. Um, but yeah, Reach out to them as well. Be like, yo, sure. once this comes out and you like what the fuck we're doing, just be like, yo, I want to see you on the Immigrant Hustle podcast. Yeah. And I'm sure you will, but also give us your advice. Yeah. We're forever learning. We don't think we're fucking podcast experts. Like, we're still figuring this out, man. And we want to be the best we can be. And we want to cater to the people who listen. So yeah, that is think, a huge aspect. I think one thing I'd like to see for season two um, we had a lot of Punjabi guests yeah. on season one. No, we got to branch out, man. Yeah. I mean, Brampton, Toronto as a whole, very diverse. So we definitely want to have more diverse stories as far as talking about where people came from, how they got here, and how their family established themselves. So yeah. I think that's definitely one thing I want to see for season two. Uh, I got to definitely say thank you, Noise, for fucking being here and putting up my, with my ass through all these interviews. Uh, <laughs> Yo, there's been man. a lot of drunken nights where I literally had to message you the next day and be like, did the podcast go good? Because <laughs> I got fucking hammered on this shit. Yeah, yo, so we, yeah, we both sit here and record, but then I got to go back and do all the editing. Yo, man. So, yo, yo, in the comments for all this shit, make sure you salute Noise because he does way too much work yeah. for this podcast <laughs> to work. Especially, like, there's certain guests, like when we had Villa... When we had Scotty, when we had uh, Jay Static, like Magic, you got trashed no, on those yeah. episodes, man. I think Villa and Static episode was the most hammered I've been on this yeah. fucking uh, on this podcast, and you'll the fans will probably fucking <laughs> hear it because yeah. I'm very clear when I'm drunk. Like, <laughs> but it's been fun though, and that's the thing, right? We have a we have drunken guys, we have sober guys, we have everything, and <laughs> we are living in a world where we all need to get along, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, thank you for putting up with my drunk ass. I know I've been sober at parties and I hate talking to drunk people. So <laughs> thank you for keeping up with that. And um, yeah, man, it's, 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 we fucking made it. Season one, man. Yeah. Like this was something we put our head down and we were like, let's do it. This is something I definitely want to do and keep yeah. doing, man. Any, any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Just thank you to everybody that's been listening and supporting the show. Um, yeah, this was just some, an idea we had and we said, hey, why not give it a shot? Let's see yeah. what we can do. Let's see what stories we can tell. And, yo, it's been beautiful. Just, just the experience of coming here and sitting down with friends and getting to know people better and strengthening relationships has been beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like the stories that people told will resonate with other people, whatever they're going through in their lives. Whether it is someone that is going through something difficult like some of our guests have shared or whether it's just somebody who is trying to make their way as an artist or as a creative if you can draw inspiration from this show or if you can find some sort of solace in some of the stories that were shared i think that is that is the biggest accomplishment we can have with this show and i want to keep sharing these stories and just keep reaching people and inspiring people and motivating to keep doing what they want to do most definitely with that being said This has been the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. Okay.